thank you for the nice introduction and for the invita invitation. Mm. I also can um, <coughs> introduce my colleague and friend, Benjamin. He's, or Benny, he will argue that every individual is connected with all other individuals. He will agree in the course of the dialogue that this connection implies experiential connection. Yeah, well, I'm happy to be here as well. And I'm also happy to introduce my friend and colleague Matthias, who also has strong panpsychist leanings. And he will try to argue that every individual is only connected to some and definitely not to all other individuals. Okay, let's start. I was reading Aristotle, and he writes, the soul is an all-way, all-existing thing. A fascinating statement. Nonetheless, I cannot really believe it. Do you have an idea? Hmm. <laughs> Aristotle is notoriously brief in his statements. But I guess he means just that a mental entity is connected to every other entity. Otherwise, it doesn't seem to make much sense, unless he has a very strange concept of identity. All right. Aristotle is notorious. Oh, sorry, I read <laughs> his text. <laughs> All right. There are also nutritive and perceptual souls for Aristotle, but in this case, he really thinks of a mental or intellectual soul. A mental entity may be related to all other entities. Yes, that may be um, the sense of the statement. Hmm. Well, how many and which entities a mental entity is connected to actually begins to interest me. I think that from what we just said, it follows that I am right now connected to the Big Bang, which happened some more than 13 billion years ago and to the Alpha Centauri system, which is a little more than four light years away. Although I was not connected to them five minutes ago, simply because I'm not thinking about them. Are your ontological instincts really comfortable with that? Why not? That's no problem. I do accept that humans can think about every other entity, but the relation to most entities is only a potentiality and faculty and it only ever thinks about some entities. Hmm, nah, but a potentiality is more than a mere possibility, I think. It constitutes a connection on its own. For example, even if I do not actually speak German right now, the potentiality for me to do so remains an important part of reality. So, via the potential to think about everything, I think that a mental entity is connected to everything. That's interesting. Perhaps a mental entity has a connection to all concrete things via its faculty to think. Perhaps only the potentiality to, of thinking is necessarily a connection to all existing things. I'm not really sure about it. Dogs cannot solve mathematical problems and humans maybe cannot think of the solution of the body-mind problem. But still, this may be as Aristotle thinks but I'm not really interested in thinking about. It's a too thin connection. There's no guarantee that the thinking really grasps a, a real thing and not only some unicorn or non-existing future. I agree with another opinion of Aristotle that all thinking is derived from perceiving or simple experiencing. 
It seems to me that there are many existing things to which you are connected in experiencing. But Aristotle is wrong, uh, would be wrong when he would say that souls are experiential connected with all existing things. A soul is only connected with all entities if it would be in all environments similarly. Uh, by experience, do you mean sensory experience, as in with your eyes and or your As far as I see, Aristotle thinks of sensation, and I take it to mean sensory experience. And that's a good starting point and a prototype of experience. No, well, I, I doubt <laughs> that sensory experience is a connection at all. For in sensory experience, I'm just perceiving something like light waves or sound waves arriving at my sensory organs. It does not make any difference to me whether they are produced by some object I seem to perceive or as, some part of, as a part of some illusion. So they can hardly constitute a connection to some object. This is also what Leibniz would have said, I think, to bring in some authority. <laughs> uh, he thought that we are indeed connected to everything, but only in an ideal way, and not, especially not via sensory perception. And to uh, back this up, I have some Leibniz quotes here that I want to read to you. First of all, Leibniz writes that uh, a connect he writes about the connection or adaptation of all created things to each and of each to all. And to clarify what he means by that, he says that it's not sensory connection, but it's only, he says, there's only ideal influence of one monad on another. That is a causation that exists only because it is conveyed by God insofar as in God's ideas the monad rightly demands that God, at the beginning of things, accounts for it when determining all other monads. I'm a bit in the way, am I? I like Leibniz, and especially its monadolo his monadology. Thanks for focusing on it. Leibniz really thinks that not only humans are mental entities, but also all monads are connected to all other monads in an ideal way. That includes animal souls and simple monads. At least some of them do not have sense organs. I also accept that experience is not always sense experience. But it is also implied that the ideal connection of monads is not only thinking. Leibniz calls it perceiving. It will be non-sensory perceiving in some cases, but why is it forbidden to think that it is also sensory experience in some cases? Well, it's true that Leibniz talks about perceptions, but I am fairly sure that he does not take that to mean something perceived with the sensory organs because that perception via the sensory organs would imply a direct physical interaction between the different monads for Leibniz, and he explicitly denies that. Therefore, I consider it certain that also for Leibniz, a connection via the sensory organs is not a real connection at all. And again, I have a quote to back that claim up, where Leibniz says that neither a substance nor some other determination can enter a monad from the outside. Okay, assuming you're right with your rather wild statement about the status of sense experience and only real connection left is non-sensory experience, Whitehead knows this and speaks of perception in the mode of causal efficacy. An analogy of understanding this is the experiencing of one's eyes when seeing and of one's skin when touching.
But Leibniz denies that non-sensory perception is something causal. How can you understand it if it is neither causal nor sensory? Well, but we're getting into Leibniz here, so we should end the Leibniz part soon. But I think that for Leibniz, per the perceptions still represent the whole monadic world correctly, but just because God made sure of that at the beginning of things. However, I agree that Leibniz's concepti conception leaves very little space for autonomous connections between individuals in the world. And I also think I would like to have a theory that includes such autonomous, autonomous connections between things. So, yeah, we need something else. But you're right that the best candidate for such a direct, non-sensory connection is causation. However, I think that if we talk about causation, I immediately win because, well, I'm a physicist uh, and I know that... You're a physicist. Uh, <laughs> I win, because everything is connected to everything. This is just how the interactional laws of physics behave. Ah. I know. The field of the four fundamental forces of physics is considered as to be holistic. I also interpret physics as causal and not just as regular. Perhaps it is also r the right position that everything is physically responsible for everything. But there's more to causation than the fundamental forces of physics. To get a grip on causality, it is not useful to focus on the holistic causal responsibility, but on significance that, is one, par that one particle or field has to one other. This happens all the time in everyday physics, where you, disagreed the wider, where you disregard the wider environment. I would propose to give an ontological foundation to that with a theory of causal significance. Greg Rosenberg did his, this in his a Place for Consciousness in 2004. A further advantage of this the theory is that it is possible to interpret quantum entanglement as a causal phenomenon. Yeah, well, but. In physics, <laughs> this restriction you're talking about is just an approximation made for practical purposes and there's no theoretical ground for it. But still, I find it very interesting that you attempt to provide such a ground for actually restricting influence. However, now that you say that physical interaction doesn't really do the job, I don't understand what causation means anymore because that's the only concept I have of causation. Well, I do not propose a physical theory, but a metaphysical one. But it should be compatible with physics, and in the best case, it should shed light on the physical concepts. My theory also of causation also tries to clarify the concept of a thing to something that is causally relevant. It also clarifies the concept of entanglement, that is restricted connection connection with a restricted scope. Yeah. Um, compatibility should not be a problem because <laughs> no physicist I know uh, will ever include the distribution of some dust in some remote corner of the planet Mars into his calculation when he does them here on Earth. So you should be okay with a restricted scope as far as con compatibility is concerned. However, well, I strongly doubt that there can be positive influence of this metaphysics on physics unless this is somehow experimentally testable. But still, uh, I'm, I don't think that physical terms are that very relevant for metaphysics. So I'm very interested to hear your theory of causation, 
that features a restricted scope. But still, I want to know what exactly is causation now. My idea is somewhat Whiteheadian. For him, there's a strong connection between causation and experience. At least in the most cases, he thinks of non-sensory experience. He says a simple physical feeling is an act of causation. This is my new meaning of causality. Causation and experience run in opposite direction. A Whiteheadian entity, a so-called actual entity, is caused by past events. And it um, yeah, is caused by past events. That's the opposite directions. Right. The that's past, a, that's uh, it experiences the past and it is caused by the past. That's causation, and that's the direction of experience. All right, that's a very interesting definition. Uh, it's also panpsychist, is it? Because now every interaction is accompanied by some experience. Uh, every connection, every interaction. Uh, I'm very sympathetic to that, uh, seeing that we're both uh, working in broadly the field of panpsychism. Um, but if I remember my Whitehead correctly, and I'm not really an expert on that, but I still think that in Whitehead, each actual entity is connected to all the past events. So uh, I'm s I still win, because uh, for Whitehead, everything is connected to everything, because the future doesn't yet exist. So being connected That's to right. the whole past. That's right, yeah. An actual entity experience everything that plays a causal constraint on it. And for Whitehead, this is the whole past. There are only secondary aspects that filter the experienced entities. The scope can be restricted by a subjective aim or conceptual prehension, as Whitehead calls it. But these are operations the actual entities undertake additionally to the prehending of the past facts. So you are still right. But now I would like to modify Whitehead to include a more fundamental restriction of the connection. In this modified theory, this is still ba experience is still based on causation. Well, okay. <laughs> Since all the cases we looked at up to now resulted in everything being connected with everything, for example, thinking and then causal interaction in physics and Whitehead's understanding, or in everything be being connected to nothing, as in sensory experience, if you buy into my rather wild idea that sensory connection is not really a connection. So now you propose a new theory, and that would then be the first one with an actual restricted scope of connection. That is very interesting, and I'm keen to hear it, but I won't have much to say, so I'll sit down and enjoy the show for a little while. Oh. Go ahead. Let's begin again with Aristotle and his statements, the soul is, in a way, all existing things. I'm not really interested in souls, especially not in souls separable from the body, but in natural individuals, which I conceive uh, in a pan-experiential way with a mental or an experiential and a physical aspect. I'd like to reject the all existing things in Aristotle's thesis and restrict my claim to some existing things. But I'd like to insist that there is a strong connection between the soul 
and the other existing entities. In the best way, there may be a kind of identity. Um, I think of, no, back, please. Back, sorry. I think of a causal, bodily, or experiential connection of something inner. And so my Aristotelian statement is modified in an, the natural individual is, in a way, some existing things. Okay. No. My question is now, what makes the scope of an entity, especially a panpsychistic pan entity, restricted? There are two types of restriction. Half-hearted restriction means that primarily an entity is connected to everything, but in the second step, this holistic collection is restricted. A fundamental restriction does not share the holistic claim. We talked here um, yet in our dialogue about three variants of half-hearted restriction. Leibniz's holistic approach has a problem to individuate the different monads. Therefore, he ascribes to monads an individual point of view and a more or less distinct perception of other monads. A less distinct perception may be less relevant for the activity of the monad. Physics works in a similar way. The fundamental forces may interrelate all entities but only some entities are relevant to others, e.g. because the rest is so far away that its impact can be neglected. Whitehead restricts, as we have seen, via conceptual work of the experiencing subject with which primarily prehends all the past. In the following, I want to discuss some variants of fundamental restriction. My intuition is that each kind of sense experience is restricted to an environment, to a special domain of qualities. This may have its parallel in ontology by restriction of my connection to my parts, my inner structure and my constitution of my parts. In another, in another variant, the restriction is performed by Aristotelian forms that may help in our problem in at least two ways. The restriction may result from associated contents or from the power which a substance is attributed by its essence. My favorite will be the restriction by a fundamental hierarchical causal web as it is provided by Greg Rosenberg's theory of causal significance and his carrier theory of causation. If one tries to restrict the scope of a subject to its inside or its bodily parts, there are two difficulties. First, it is difficult to differentiate between inner and outer experience. There is causal involvement with the inside and the outside. One seems to experience the inner and the outer world. Corresponding to the restriction to the body, some work may be done on individuation. An individual may be correlated with something that makes a causal difference as a kind of downward causation. But this is no contribution to the question whether the scope of an individual is restricted to its environment. It only be proposed that one can only experience one's own inside or that only the inner downward causal causality corresponds to the scope of experience. 
In this case, the second difficulty of the inner or bodily scope appears. If one can only experience one's inside, how it is possible to have experiential contact with the world outside at all? If one favors a causal theory of experience, our problems shows up similarly difficult, um, difficulties similar to Leibniz. Why should it be possible, impossible that a monad in its experience causally interacts with other monads? In the end, I restrict the thesis that the scope of a subject is restricted to one's inside or one's body. You reject the thesis, you mean? I wanted to say it, sorry, yeah. thanks. No, I reject it, yeah. Yeah, now I get it, good. <laughs> right, next one? Yeah. All other proposals of restrictions, as far as I see, are variants of Aristotelian forms. In perception and thought, the form plays the role of a transmitter. When I see a tree, there's the same form in me as it is really implemented in the tree. Perhaps because of this, Aristotle not only says that the soul is connected with other things, but that it is all existing things. The soul being all things may only be a thin possibility. The restriction may be that only the environment and some types of the form may be associated with a special soul. Even if a thinking mental entity may be related to everything, the form of an animal is very restricted. Leibniz, next, next please. Um, the second understanding of Aristotelian forms follows soon. Leibniz cannot accept forms as content of thinking or experiencing. He attacks the idea that the same form that is a principle of a concrete thing can also be in the mind of an experiencing and a thinking or a thinking object. It's really not a good idea that there are some things that could be taken from a thing in the world and put into the soul for the experiencing or thinking of it. Leibniz denies that there has to be something in between the perceiving subject and the perceived thing. Therefore, there has to be direct representation, even if ultimately guaranteed by God. If Leibniz's argumentation is sound, the above proposal to restrict the scope via the form as contents can be rejected. Now, there's a second understanding of Aristotelian forms that does not imply considering forms as transmitters of content. The substantial form is thought as the essence of the individual. Perhaps, uh, for example, there's the essence of a human is to be rational, and rational is a potentiality. Its causal powers belong, also one's causal powers belong to one's essence. They may be restricted kinds of relations and only directed to a restricted environment. If we connect this with the Whiteheadian idea that causation is something experiential, this may be an attractive panpsychistic position. But we have that that Whitehead himself does not share the idea of a primarily restricted connection. He favors secondary restrictions performed by conceptual 
prehensions, like some prehensions is something like perceptions, um, non-sensory perceptions. One can also understand them as connected to a thorn, um, a Whiteheadian internal object. But it seems to me that, is not, that it is not necessary for a strong connection of an individual to have a conceptual and cognitive mental aspect. But there is a further reading of causal powers. Although Greg Rosenberg does not understand himself in these Aristotelian terms, I'll try to interpret his position in such a way here. For Rosenberg, the form is the causal connection between some natural individuals. Instead of a form, he speaks of receptive binding. The receptive binding is not itself experienced but it implies that the bound of formed individuals experience each other. Picture, you have some individuals and there are kind of form or receptive binding that makes it so that each individual can only experience an individual in it the context of the receptive binding. Corresponding to each Aristotelian form, there has to be some matter, you know, that it forms, that it is formed. Corresponding to each binding, there has to be something intrinsic that is bound. In Rosenberg's theory, this intrinsic, these manifest things have to be implemented in the following way. Um, let there be a receptive binding implying that an individual C constrains an individual B. Causal constraining, I can, um, will make with this error. This may happen because of the constraining affective property C, uh, call it E, affective property of C that um, has an effect on B. But this affective connection has to be carried, has to be, have a foundation, an intrinsic carrier, the property that not only mirrors the relation between it, but that the relation is real. There have to be a carrier of it that is the phenomenal property P of B. According to Rosenberg's proposal, now he thinks that P is identical to E. This is a connection in the strong Aristotelian sense. Uh, it may be really, the property cannot be attributed to two subjects. It may be really attributed to B, the effect, 
um, but derivatively seen poorly, poorly structurally with regard to its phenomenal aspects, it may be the same property, a property of C. Um, in the case we are back, in this case we are back to the starting point thesis, to the starting thesis of Aristoteles. The soul is not only connected to some things, but it is some other things via its carrier relation, because it carries some. There's a form as the connection, the receptive binding is a connection, and this is not a form that is criticized by Leibniz. Rosenberg's form does not have to be tr the transmitter of a content. Receptive binding only provides the context for causal interaction and direct experiencing of the bound individuals. What are the implications of these considerations to the project of panpsychism? The point I'd like to make is the title of the dialogue. A subject in a pan-experiential world is not bound to feel everything. There are plausible ideas and at least one plausible interpretation, plausible, you <laughs> can discuss, and at, at least one plausible interpretation that restricts the scope of causal interaction and experience. The restriction corresponds, corresponds to the hierarchy of sciences if it is a scientific fact that on all levels other causal powers and other, because it is a scientific fact that on all levels other causal powers and other environments are relevant. So, Benny. Well, all right. That was very impressive. Uh, I hope I understood all of it. Uh, you did convince me somehow that it is possible to devise a metaphysics uh, that features a restricted scope of connectivity. Uh, however, I think that's one huge problem, because you never gave a sufficient reason as to where exactly to draw these boundaries you want to draw. Uh, why would you say, why to include a connection to this entity but not a connection to the entity next to it? I think that is, as long as that is no sufficient reason, I think I'd rather stay with my universal connectivity, oh. really. It's good, though. You are right, that's a problem. But I see that causation is the basal fact on the causal web, the hierarchical causal web. I have not everything uh, here done in detail. Um, I think that the hierarchical causal web is, as a fundamental feature, could be a good candidate for that restriction. A panpsychist with holistic experience always seemed, at least to me, to be a strange position. The probability of panpsychism is much better if there is at least a model for restricting the scope of experience. This corresponds to the, to the intuition of the restricted scope of experience, sense experience, in my own life. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'll have to think about it. Good. Thank you very much for your attention. I hope you could bear with us.